No matter what goes on throughout the week, I'm always excited about being in the house of the Lord. I get my spiritual batteries recharged. And when I leave, I feel like the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I heard a story recently about a farmer that found an eagle egg and he, uh, he took it and he put it in with his chickens and hoping that the chickens would, would raise this eagle and that they would care for it and that the eagle would eventually, you know, be nourished and strengthened and then able to fly away and, and live a normal life. Well, that didn't happen. And the young eagle hatched and, and grew up with all of the other chickens. And whatever they did, of course, he did. And so he began to peck at the ground and, and scratch and, and, you know, wouldn't fly very far. He would see the other chickens maybe just fly a few feet, you know, or, or most hop around or something like that, you know. And so he would do the same thing. He would only fly a short distance. And he thought that's what he was supposed to do because that was all he had seen. And then one day, he was out in the barnyard and he saw in the sky a bird flying overhead. And so he was very impressed with that and he said to one of the other hens, he said, well, who is that? Or what is that, you know? And, and the hens responded to him that that's the eagle. He is the king of the birds. And of course, he was very impressed. And, and, and the hen said, he belongs to the sky. We belong to the earth. We are only chickens. And so the eagle though he was made to soar and to be majestic and to be the king of the air and to be the king of the birds, lived his life and died as a chicken, scratching the ground, for that's what he thought he was. Instead of being raised to soar the skies. He lived his life in the barnyard, scratching the ground. And you may remember Pastor Charles Finney, our late missionary friend. Are you a chicken or an eagle? He would say in his very broken English. <laughs> what a great man. What a great man. Are you a chicken or an eagle? And that is really a great question. And I think oftentimes we get so used to walking around 
with our heads looking down as a chicken would do and scratching the ground like everyone else does that we are afraid to lift our gaze and we are afraid to spread our wings and fly. Chickens and eagles are very, very different birds. They each have their purpose, but they're very, very different. Chickens are always, I, I raise chickens, and uh, they're always, one thing I notice is that they're always tipped down. They're always down at the ground, pecking at the ground and seeing what they can get from there, the bugs and, and whatever, and always scratching at the ground. They're constantly, forgive me for being so graphic, but they're constantly walking in filth. Okay? They're very dependent on others to take care of them. They're limited by their circumstances and their surroundings. For instance, a fence can, for the most part, keep them enclosed. Their wings are very small for their weight and their size of their bodies. Whereas an eagle, again, its purpose is is completely different, but the wingspan of an eagle is massive. We have a lot of eagles around here in this area, the Iroquois Wildlife Refuge. And they'll fly over my house. They're flying down around 63, this area, and they're impressive. They're impressive birds. And their wingspan is is big, and they're powerful birds. They are powerful. And they have strong and sharp talons to grab fish or prey. Their their strength is, is immense. They have eyesight that can see for a great distance. And it's very interesting that eagles, when they're building their nests, they will use prickers and briars and things like that to build their nest. And their nests are probably four or five feet around. Okay? And they're a good-sized bird. And they'll take these prickers, and you would think, why would they want to build their nest out of prickers? Well, there's a purpose in that. And um, you you would think, well, maybe it's a defense sort of mechanism or, you know, protect them or something like that. But after they've used these briars to build their nest, they will take skin or different things like that, feathers or soft things, and they will line the inside of this nest so that it's comfortable and, um, you know, soft for the baby chicks. And then once the chicks are hatched, the mother will go out and hunt and bring the food back for the babies, and they begin to grow and, and get stronger and bigger and more demanding And when they reach a certain age, the mother will take the soft lining of that nest and she'll take it and she'll throw it over. So the nest now is uncomfortable to be in. Do you see the purpose here? And so now the babies don't like to be in the nest. How smart is that? Isn't that interesting? And so the, the babies now are, are more comfortable outside of the nest, all right? And so this, this place that was warm and comforting to the babies is now a place where they don't want to be, okay? 
and the mother will coax the babies to the edge. Usually they're, you know, on some sort of ledge or something around here. We don't have a lot of those things, so they'll be in treetops or or whatever. But um, the mother will coax the babies to the edge and sometimes push them over, okay? Push them, all right? Sometimes the babies will crawl on the back of the mother and hold on for dear life, and the mother will fly and she'll take them way, way, way up high, way up high. They said around 5,000 feet. And they will soar with this baby on their back, and then they will tip like this. And the baby falls, is falling, and the baby's trying to get its, its, you know, balance, and it's trying to fly, and of course it doesn't know how to fly. And fall and fall and fall and fall, all the way down, thousands of feet it will fall. And then as it's reaching the ground, the mother will swoop down and catch that baby on its back. And back up it will go to do it all over again. And again, <laughs> she'll tip that baby, off she'll fall, and eventually that baby will learn how to fly. Isn't that amazing? Eventually the wind will catch the wings of that eagle, and that eagle will soar like it was created to do. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that awesome? And pretty soon, though they don't like to at first, the babies, the chicks, learn to fly and do what they are meant to do. All too often, I think that we are like that eagle that was raised in that barnyard. And we can't see over the fence. We can't see all that we were created to be, and so we settle for less than what God has for us. We settle for what we've seen others do. Or, But God has great things in store for us. Now listen to what I'm going to tell you. Don't allow your surroundings or your circumstances to dictate what you can or cannot do. Don't allow your surroundings or circumstances to dictate what you can or you cannot do. I remember many of you know that uh, I suffered for many years, 15 years with a disabling back injury. And I remember I I had seen so many doctors, so many physical therapists, and taken so many drugs and so many surgeries. And um, I remember to one physical therapist that I went to, and um, it was in the morning, and mornings were, you know, extremely rough for me. And um, I walked in there, and I was, woe was me, you know. (laughs) And uh, just kind of feeling bad about life in general. And I was hurting. And this person said to me, they said this, don't allow your pain to dictate your life. And I was like, wow, this person has been, has had to have been where I've been. 
And it was the truth. Don't allow your pain to dictate your life. And I thought, wow, that is really applicable to my life. And so I began, instead of focusing on the things that I couldn't do, I began to focus on things that I could do, things that I could do even inside of the house, you know, or or little things outside of the house. And, and my mind was occupied with things that I was doing. And that feeling of accomplishment began to drive me. Do you understand? Were you raised with humble means? In a barnyard, if you will? Don't allow the humble circumstances to dictate what you can or cannot do. There will be naysayers in your lives, and they will discourage you. Sometimes it comes from loving people. Sometimes they will say, don't do that. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going you're to fail and so we're, we're afraid of trying. You'll never amount to anything. Maybe some of you here have heard those very hurtful words. You can't start a business of your own. It'll never work. No one's ever done it that way in our family. That's not the way you do it. You've got to do it this way. You're going to fail. You're not big enough. You're not strong enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not handsome enough. You don't have this. You don't have that. You need to set your sights lower so that it doesn't hurt so much when you fall. And we hear these things, and, and it would strike fear in us and prevent us from trying. And so we would be content to scratch the ground instead of soaring with the eagles. There's a saying, and I'm sure that you've, you've probably heard it. It says, uh, it's hard to soar with eagles when you're surrounded by turkeys. Yeah. <laughs> Not much explanation needed there. Maybe some of the people at work are the turkeys. <laughs> Maybe some of the people in, the, in your family are the turkeys. <clears throat> we won't go there. Thomas Edison. When asked about the many times he had failed in his inventions, he responded that I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. Amen. I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. And you may know that he is the inventor of the phonograph and the light bulb and countless other things as well. What a, what a man of vision and, and patience and perseverance. Don't give up. Keep trying. Keep moving forward. 
the scripture. We sang a song this morning, if God is on our side, who can be against us? Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? God is on our side. Do you know that? God is on your side. God is in your court. And we've talked before of the faith hall of fame, if if you will, in, in Hebrews and and how it says these great men of faith and Abraham and, and uh, Moses. And, and it's as if we're running a race, as Paul had called it. Run the race with perseverance marked out for us, yes? And it's as if all of these faith, big faith people are standing on the sidelines and they're cheering us on, go, 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 you can do it. You can make it. You have to make it. And of course, we, we don't want to go rogue, right? All by ourselves, do it on our own. That's, that's not the way it was intended to be, right? We can get ourselves in trouble, right? So it's always good. I just want to balance what I've been saying with wisdom. Don't just go and I'm going to spend a whole lot of money and, and invest in this massive business or whatever and lose your shirt, okay? Because... It's important to seek counsel, the Bible says, right? And that's wisdom. Always seek counsel. It's not my desire to create a discontent in your lives. But in some cases, we settle. You may have seen the commercial, we're settlers, dear. Son, dad, why can't we have... Whatever it was, Verizon, whatever, I don't know. Right? Funny commercials. Funny stuff. And uh, we're settlers, son. We don't do that. We don't do that. Why look at your mother over there? Those layers and layers and layers, right? <laughs> funny, funny commercials. And we're settlers. We settle for things. I think oftentimes in our own lives we do that very thing. That we settle for less than what God wants for us. We settle for something that's easy, something less than what God has intended for us. It's my desire to encourage you to reach higher. It's my desire to cause you to dream bigger. Maybe you have a ministry or a gifting that you... God has given you, and you've never seen anybody else do it this way, or, or maybe you've seen someone else that has, has this great ministry, and you, you really want to be a part of that or, or do something similar yourself, but you are afraid because I, I don't know how to do that. I've never seen anybody do that. I, I don't know how to get to there from here. And so fear would take over And cause you to cease. And so you, you don't try. Maybe your physical appearance is not what you would like it to be. Maybe you're, you feel like your self-esteem, you're, you're less than other people. You, you're not as good as other people. I'm not good enough to do that. Have you ever 
felt that way? Have you ever said those things? I'm not good enough to do that. I can't do that. That's, that's for the, the strong people. That's for the good-looking people. That's for this or that. And you give more and more reasons why you can't reach, why you can't try harder. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 6 through 13, God has told Samuel to go to the house of Jesse and to anoint the future king. We know that to be David. First Samuel chapter 16, verses 6 through 13. And so Samuel goes to the house, and when he arrives there in verse 6, when he arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. So he saw Jesse's son, and he's like, oh, man, this guy's impressive. He's got to be the one that's God's anointed. But that wasn't the case, was it? Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord, now listen, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at what? The heart. The Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then said to Shema, uh, had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest Jesse answered, but he is tending sheep. He's not important. He's, he's younger. He wouldn't be able to do this work for the Lord. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy, which means had red hair, with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that, day on the, uh, from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. So here's David. He's in the barnyard, if you will. He's in the field tending his father's sheep, caring for them, protecting them, making sure they have what they need. And we learn in other places in the Bible that David had to fend off a bear and a lion. And he killed them both. And so here in the field, this seemingly lowly position, David is learning things that he will use later on as king. And if you remember, this young man who was 15, 16 years old at this time, he's anointed king, okay? the future king of Israel. And he would, years later, sometime later, he would 
defeat Goliath, this mighty nine-foot-tall warrior, this David. David was called to fly. The Bible says, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. They will soar on the wings like eagles. So even though you may be going through what the Bible would call the valley of the shadow of death in Psalm 23, right? I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen. Those who hope in the Lord will will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Reach for the heights. There was a saying years and years ago, uh, from I think it was the army, it was be all that you can be, right? Be all that you can be. Sometimes we settle. Don't be a settler. <laughs> Bible says in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and we quote this scripture a lot. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. God's got plans for you. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? God has plans for you. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. How many of you know that in the world today, people think that God is is waiting to harm them, to stomp on them like a bug if they make a mistake? That's not the example that we see in Scripture. Over and over, God is showing love and mercy and sacrifice. Look at the cross. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Something to look forward to. These are things that God, as our Heavenly Father, has for us, in store for us, if we will follow Him. We need to follow Him. Does this mean that God is going to take away all of our problems and all of our heartaches or anything like that? No, it doesn't. The Bible says in this life we will have tribulations. But take heart. I have overcome the world. It doesn't mean that God is going to take away all of our problems. But it does mean that he is going to walk us through every single one. He's going to be right there with us. He's going to have his arm around our shoulder. And at times, yes, he may carry us. As we talked about, he may carry us as the footprints in the sand by the, by the shore. Every problem 
that we face in our lives is a potential opportunity to grow. Every problem that we face is a potential opportunity for us to grow, to mature, for our, strength, our faith to be strengthened, to be more effective in ministry. God is good. His love endures forever. Don't settle scratching in the barnyard when God created you to soar. Don't be a chicken when you were created to be an eagle. Be all that you can be. Don't be a settler. Take, reach, continue on. Reach higher. Allow God to move in your heart and in your lives. Don't allow your circumstances or your surroundings to dictate what you can and what you cannot do. You can go far. You can go far. Bill, would you come to the piano? Would you stand with me today? I just want to encourage you today. Don't, don't give up trying. Don't give up. You may have had the door slammed in your face a number of times. You may have been discouraged. You may have failed. Look at Thomas Edison. I mean, what a fantastic example. And we've seen so many people that have physical disabilities that are still able to accomplish great things in their lives. Don't settle for less than what God has for you. Continue to look to him. Put your hope in the Lord. The Bible says those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Where is your hope today? Have you been saying to yourself, I I can't do that. I'll never be able to do that. I'll never be able to change the situation. I'll never be able to do this or that. Don't do that. Don't do that. With much counsel, with much prayer, and yes, hard work. Don't forget that. God can take us to places we never dreamed that we would ever go. We can accomplish things that we never dreamed that we would ever be able to accomplish. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus gives me strength. That's where our strength comes from. That's where our hope is. That's where our trust 